I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. myhealthpolicy.com. The following podcast is brought to you by the Tumbling Saber Powerful Friends community. Become a powerful friend today and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, ad-free podcasts, monthly giveaways, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Tumbling Saber team is proud to present Worthy of Recognition, a look at the names and faces that make Star Wars an unforgettable experience and an integral part of our lives. Hey everybody, welcome back once again to Worthy of Recognition for December 2018. We're at the end of the year, but I am elated to be sitting with the newest knight of the Star Wars Commonwealth, ladies and gentlemen. It's Mr. Rick. How you doing, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thanks for making time, man. So everything's good in the great state of Illinois? Uh, yeah, so far so good. End of the year. There's no snow on the ground, but Christmas coming up and you know a lot of that stuff. So yeah, everything's good. Hey, are you anywhere near the Griswold family house? <laughs> no, that's uh, that's a bit farther north. I listened to the uh, to the Gen X uh, podcast today where they were talking about the Good Christmas man. vacation. So did I. And uh, yeah, they had me cracking up and bringing up some of the old stuff. I love that. I, I haven't, you know, I used to have it as a Christmas tradition. I've let it slip because my wife is not a huge fan in, of, of that movie. So I just never get around to seeing it. But I've, I've got to make it a point this year. I've got to get well, it. Well, every time point. I'm... When my mom comes over, she's all about trying to watch it because she really gets into the uh, the sledding scene, cracks her up when he sprays the uh, the cooking lubricant on the uh, <laughs> on his little toboggan or whatever. Takes off just, like a shot down takes the hill. Right yeah, it, she <laughs> dies every time she sees it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It, everything about that movie is just so good. It, I, I don't know if you watched Seinfeld growing up, but it took I, – I don't know when I first clued into – that's Elaine. Oh, my God. Elaine's yeah. in Christmas yeah. Vacation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome stuff. But we're not here to talk about National Lampoons. That's that's another podcast for another time. Or you can just that's go right. listen to Gen X as they did a great job talking about that this year. Uh, so let's let's talk about the galaxy far, far away, my friend. Uh, what is your origin story with Star Wars? How far back does it go with you? How did you get into it? All that stuff. Well, I'm one of those that doesn't remember a time without it. So I was born in 78. Um, obviously the first movie had come out and, um, it's, it's almost a given that we went to see Empire Strikes Back when I was two 
Um, I don't remember it, but I have very clear memories of seeing Return of the Jedi a couple of times over the uh, the spring and summer of 1983. So it was there and present kind of from the beginning. I Like I said, I can't remember a time without it. Yeah, that's, well, my, mine is not so dissimilar. I, I was also born in 78. Solidarity, bro. There you go. Right. <laughs> Great year. Um, and yeah, so I, yeah, I didn't see any of the films in their initial theatrical release. I was all about uh, home video. Well, they did the, the uh, some of the re-releases. Like I know A New Hope or Star Wars then had a 78 re-release. I know, I, I want to say they did. I don't know, maybe just out here or, or regionally they did. But I know they did uh, like a one year anniversary for A New Hope. And uh, I know they did them later in the 80s at some of the theaters by us um, where we grew up. Um, there was actually a theater in uh, in Calumet City or Lansing, which is just south of Chicago. And um, I was trying to find pictures of it. I couldn't find any. But they had um, out in front of the theater, there was like a drive like where you could uh, you drop people off before you go and you park and whatever. And um, on that little driveway there, they had painted um in these big circles characters of from empire strikes back and there was a giant circle that had an ad app in it and others around it that had like yoda or like x-wing luke um i think vader was in one of them it was so long ago and it, it had been driven over years and years and years but they were always there every time we went to that theater you could still see some of the paint that they used um, from just being out on the street, because I think at some time they maybe they might have done a premiere for one of the movies there, just kind of regionally or something. But I just remember that on the ground in this little driveway, these mural size circles of Star Wars characters and ships that were painted directly onto this driveway. It was, I mean, it was cool to see as a kid. You know, I mean, sure. it's one thing to have toys, and then you go out and and you see like in the real world, like somebody else likes this. This is really cool, and like you didn't want to step on it. It was like kind of sacrilege you know it's like i wouldn't wipe my feet on a star wars doormat right now because you know yoda's going to strike me down with his force lightning from the sky like he did you know yeah I mean? like, of I don't, course I don't, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that it's like in a sports locker room it, most most teams have you know their big rug with their team crest in the middle of the floor you don't step on that crest exactly exactly <laughs> so okay so since we both grew up at the same time you grew up during what we all know commonly as the dark ages yeah. What what what, what did you do during those years? What what kept your love of, of the movies alive? Did you have people you shared it with? Well, I've got an older brother. He's two years older than me, and obviously we had our toys. We still, I still have all of our toys um, in my possession. So I think I've posted a couple of pictures here and there, either in uh, I think in Retro Wink I posted a couple of the other day because I think Jeremy posted some pics, and I just mine are in my Vader cases. I, I don't have a big display case or nothing yet um, set up, but um, those years after Return of the Jedi, you know, it was present in that we had, v, you know, like just like every kid, we had VHS copies that I remember watching constantly. We must have worn those tapes out. We watched them so many times, just rainy days or we were bored. Um, but in the uh, in the late 80s, you know, other interested, you know, other interests started coming in. Again, having older brother and his friends, we... Um, we were skateboarding, so we were out every day doing that, watching skate videos in the summer. Um, and a few years later, started going to like punk rock shows in some of the suburbs around Chicago at 10 or 11 years old, going to see some bands um, and kind of got into that world for a little bit. But Star Wars was always present because, you know, you look in 1990, 1991, when you had 
uh, Dark Empire and the Thrawn trilogy came out, it, you know, I was I had gotten back into comic books um, around that time. I had an uncle that owned a comic book shop, oh. and maybe a solid year before the death of Superman in uh, was at ninety two, um, <clears throat> he told me he was going to buy this shop and that uh, I can go in there and look at stuff and you know I'll, well, I'll give you a book here and there and he would. And at the time, like Image Comics had started up. So he was like, you're going to want every Image number one book that comes out. So he gave me, you know, Spawn number one, Max number one, Young Blood, every title that came out. Savage Dragon. Um, yeah. Young so Blood, I, I, Wildcats. Yeah. A lot of these books I still have. So with him having the shop and, you know, getting reintroduced to comic books that way, because I had like a lot of the uh, the Claremont. Um, uncanny x-men and i had the first nine issues the first nine issues of the, the wolverine solo run um that Speak i sold of my a couple language years. man like i have all that yeah, stuff we, like, yeah. holy cow yeah we um i i mean uh, some of those are my brothers that i kind of uh um, long-term borrowed yeah basically um so when the uh when dark empire came out I, one of the guys that i skateboarded with was just as big a star wars fan as me his name was joe and um he was like, have you, have you read this? I was like, no. And at the time in 1991, I was 13. So, um, he let me borrow the issues that he had. I think he was missing an issue. Um, or maybe the last issue hadn't come out yet. So he was like, here, check them out. And as goofy as that story is now in hindsight, at the time it was, wow. Like Luke looks, he's like, he's wearing Vader's clothes almost on the cover, you know, clone. Uh, Palpatine and like all the nonsense with you know, world destroyers and all that stuff. It was so different, but it was uh, it was cool to have it again because again, that's all there was. If you weren't watching VHS copies, um, it was cool to have that. And then with the Throne trilogy, um, I knew that those books were there, and basically, you know, the other EU books had kind of started rolling out, and I didn't really start reading those books until. Um, I think A True Set for Curl was the first EU book that I read. And that might have been a couple of years later. So maybe at like 15 or 16, I think I read A True Set for Curl. Yeah. Um, I, somewhere, somewhere around there. And I liked it. And then I remember I bought a copy of, um, what is it? Uh, the, the Courtship of Leia. Is, oh. is that the name of the book? <laughs> and because uh, it was like, my, the comic book shop I went to at the time was called Amazing Fantasy. I think they're still open, um, but they sold books there. Um, so I remember like, well, this must be new and it's Star Wars, so I'll just grab it. And I got a couple of pages into it. And I was like, all right, well, I'll get back into this at some point later on. And I picked it up again later on. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this book. Yeah, and I kind of feel didn't bad. Didn't you feel like... I was one of the... Go ahead. Didn't you feel like being such a diehard Star Wars fan, when you picked up one of those EU novels... Like I struggled through Truce at Bakura. I thought it was really boring. And maybe I'd feel differently about it now. But And then, again, Courtship of Princess <clears throat> Leia. It's like, oh, Lord. Like, I felt almost treasonous. That not yeah, loving they, something with the Star Wars name on it. I was like, what, what is with these books? They, I, I remember finishing Truce of Bakura and was like, okay, that was cool. And then Courtship of Princess Leia was, I, I struggled. And I didn't so much feel bad that I didn't like it. I felt bad because I was like, I felt obligated to finish it. You know what I mean? I'm like, what kind of fan am I? If I don't finish this book, this that's not right. And uh, I must know. 
<laughs> if, I, if, I, if I'm being honest, I don't think I ever managed to get through it. And I ended up loaning those books to my friend Joe that I was skateboarding with back in the day, and I never got them back. So that's my gift to Joe. He, that's, the, uh, that's the EU tax. He can have those books because they're not the greatest of the he books that keep, I read. He can keep Prince, Prince Isolder? Is that what his name was? Uh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> it's been yeah, so... It's not hasn't been long enough, quite frankly. But yeah, I, I again, yeah. having not having finished, uh, <laughs> I don't whatever. I don't. You can you can say anything. You sure? Yeah, that's in it. Um, but after that, um, he had uh, or I had gotten some copies of uh, of the Thrawn trilogy, and uh, Ron was like, "That's my guy." Like I I fell into those novels and I read them a couple of different times. Um, some library copies here and there. I never owned a copy. And uh, yeah, those were, um, those books were really cool. Um, they because were page turners. It, yeah. yeah, well, because we know now that Timothy Zahn was kind of, uh, he couldn't write a lot of stuff. He couldn't do the Vader backstory. He couldn't touch a lot of things. Um, so he had to create new stuff. So he gave us Thrawn as this kind of other ultimate villain. And um Man, those books were really cool. I mean, the whole like clone Lou thing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy uh, to think that like we fell into that world because of clone Luke. And then wasn't there like a three U Luke afterwards in one of the man? It just it was it, wacky. Yeah, those books. Yeah, those, those books but, the, but again, in reintroducing um, kind of the uh, the galaxy at large in that trilogy. And kind of the, you know, the other mysticism with, uh, uh, Drew as Sabaoth and all of that stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, there was just a lot of cool stuff in those books. And then when they relaunched the, um, the toys, the other uh, power of the force toys, uh, was right about the time I started working. Um, first job I had, I think I was like 14, I was working in a pizza place and I was getting, I was getting paid 50 bucks a week. And most of that money I, I went into buying records because I started DJing very young going to like the punk shows and stuff like that. But um, there was a store called us called service merchandise. And I don't know if you guys had those up there, but uh, I remember telling my mom, like I have some money and like, I want to go and see if they have toys. Cause I heard there's some new toys coming out. Um, and the, uh, the orange back uh, power of the force figures were there. And I think I bought maybe six or eight of them at the time and hearing, you know, stories that like Chewbacca was hard to find and C-3PO was hard to find. And they were there on the pegs and I grabbed them. Um, they're all in storage right now in bins. I still have all those things. And, uh, you know, getting back to with, uh, with Thrawn, when they did the, um, the expanded universe <clears throat> power of the force figures and those figures came out Thrawn with the, uh, Isola Mari, um, scarf, basically um then you know like the shadow of the shadow of the empire figures with the uh was it the uh, the bounty hunter chewbacca thing um yeah they just said they went off the rails with the uh and Shizor and all of that stuff i mean they were they were fun and i thought there you go there you go <laughs> so for those yeah, who are at home i just i just reached back behind me and grabbed my carded chewy from the 1995 power of the force line it was just it happened to be within oh. arm's reach all what of a mine bunch are of ugly figures. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're terrible. Lando and uh, and Luke were just. They were, uh, they were oh, just the, the the Leia. The Leia is just phenomenally yeah. bad. You know the uh, the meme of uh, of uh, Rocky and uh, and Apollo 
doing the handshake. Yeah. You know that one? I when looking at those figures, I picture like one is Lando and the other one's Luke, like in this like super buff handshake that could never happen because they're not that big. Although Billy D. Williams now, you see what he's doing on Twitter, his um his workout regime is Yeah, for an eighty year old guy, he's he's working pretty hard. 80, yeah, eighty one, good for him. Yeah, good for him. And I you know, I've spoken about meeting him a couple years ago. <clears throat> he was in his late seventies and he didn't seem like he was in the greatest of shape and he, but he mm-hmm. is also a big dude. Like he's got to be, he's got to be six foot, six foot one, but, but big shoulders, you know, he's, he's, he's a thick guy. And yeah. So he's walking with a cane, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I guess for long stretches, he's, he's even in a wheelchair and mm. then, uh, yes, yeah, so for short distances, he'll, he'll either hobble over or if, if he needs a cane at that moment, he, he uses that too. But Good to see him getting into better shape. He's, I still have a theory. He's he's going to punch the first order into submission in episode nine. It's going to be yeah. all Lando. He's going to break Kylo's mask again. One punch, boom! Yeah, all it is. <laughs> Shatter that little punk's mask. Yep. Oh man. Well, you know what? I, th- those things that you mentioned, <clears throat> the Zon trilogy, uh, these Power of the Force two toys, which are awful. We all thought maybe we would retire off these toys. But mm. I think they are underrated in their place in the Star Wars pantheon in terms of what they did to help bolster fandom and reignite the larger fandom. I you, we know now that the Thon the original Thrawn trilogy it's kind of ridiculous. Like we think yeah. back fondly on it because I remember sitting there as a kid, supposed to be in bed sleeping, but I had the light and I'm reading this book page after page, burning the midnight oil. I'm getting up in three hours to go to school, but I got to keep reading. And but that's what that book that trilogy did for us was just keep the fire burning for Star Wars, and then these toys, which just dialed us back another ten years. Like we're supposed to be becoming young adults at this point, and we're back diving into our childhood with these toys. My parents were like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing this?" And it just it became a sickness from that point forward. Yeah, I remember my mom asking me because uh, I got to a point where I was buying the uh, the twelve inch action collection. Um, figures that were like more articulated and like I popped those all out of the boxes and we at the time we lived in an apartment that the bedroom that I was in it had shelves on one wall and they spanned the length of the room the top shelf was cut off in the middle so there was like you know you could set something tall in in, on like the second shelf and uh all of my action collection 12 inch guys were they were all set up with their weapons Again, still have them all. My son has some of them now. He's been gifted a few of them, like my, uh, my snow trooper and uh, a bunch of them. But um, and I had uh, all of my uh, all my OG vehicles were set up on these shelves. I had that much room to put all of this stuff out. And I remember my mom like, why? You know, like you're <laughs> 17, 18 years old. Like you, you have your room is filled with toys. You know, I'm like. I know. Like, I don't see, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, I'm like, I, that's what I like. You know, I mean, I was, you know, still going out and doing stuff. Like I said, I was DJing. I, by the, by that time at 18, 19 years old, I was already working in different bigger places and, um, you know, not spending as much time at home and probably doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. But, um, when I came home, that's, you know, at 18 years old, I had my, my young man cave, my, uh, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Like the practice cave. Absolutely. Um, my bedroom was the same thing. It became, it, it morphed from like my Montreal Canadiens shrine. And then those, that slowly came down and up went the rock stars. 
And then that slowly came down and up went the Star Wars stuff. And mm-hmm. it just Star Wars dominated my room. Just like it's it, it's so strange <laughs> that the stuff that sh- air quotes should have been done when you were six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old was now coming around again in a bigger, badder way when you were actually a young man at this point. <laughs> it, it, my, my, my parents were like, huh? My grandmother was like slapping me upside the head saying, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like this woman was, think of George Costanza's mother, Estelle. That's my grandma. Uh, what yeah. are you doing with these toys? You should be at work. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. But she's she's a classic. Anyway, yeah, it was that kind of deal. And yeah, like like full circle here. Just yeah, these these toys just really were something special in terms of of bringing making Star Wars alive again for us. Yeah, it it, it was cool to have, and you know, again, we went from being kids and having toys, where at the end of the day, you know, especially with us having siblings, it was all right, guys, time to clean up your toys, put them away. They would go in the toy bin or in the closet or whatever they were. They were out of sight. Your room was clean. Um, but then again, you know, you get to that point as as an adult or a young adult, and it's like I don't have to put my toys away. They're already where I want them to be on this illustrious toy wall <laughs> behind me. You know what I mean? As good as you know, I'm a little feather duster every once in a while and dust you know dust them off, and that was it. it was my you know your your little shrine to uh, I don't know fun days. Hey, you know, playing with friends, you know, hanging out outside and, and getting dirty with your toys. Absolutely. Are you still collecting today? Or is it sort of uh, something you got to tread carefully with? Um, <clears throat> I stopped uh, for a while. You know, again, uh, kind of other interests took over um, kind of uh, around 2000, I want to say. I, you know, I kind of everything went back in their boxes that I had and they kind of went in storage bins. And, you know, we moved around a couple of times and um the last couple of years, it's been like a lot of people, um, black series and the, uh, I'm very picky about black series figures that I'll buy. Like, uh, there's some really, you know, beautiful sculpts that are out there. Like the new Rio looks amazing. Um, so handsome. The Gamor- oh, yeah, I know the, uh, <laughs> the Gamorian guard, the Gamorian guard that came out a few months ago is, uh, I'd, I'd like to see the molds for these things. You know, they, there's the, the amount of hours that they put in these things to make them. Um, those are, those are the black series figures that I, that I try to guide, that I try to buy now are the aliens, you know, the, the more outlandish kind of sculpts, the droids, um, you know, Thrawn, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, again, it's kind of few and far between. There's um, some that if I see them, I'm like, I have to have it. Like the, uh, the Hoth Leia um, I bought a couple of weeks ago was like, you know, it's kind of plain looking. It's just her in the white outfit and, you know, her blaster and stuff. But I mean, it's Leia. I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn down a Leia. I mean, she's, you see it uh, here in my hat, you know, I got this. There you go. Leia hat. So, Our general. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one that I'm not going to, I'm not going to pass up if I see a cool Leia sculpt. And, and I came into the black series kind of late. I only started buying them maybe within the last year um you know toy collecting wasn't really uh the primary focus you know toy most of the toys went to our son you know he's got i don't know 
he's got the Hot Wheels, the Star Wars Hot Wheels, and he might have 50 or 60 just Star Wars Hot Wheels cars. And they're awesome. You know, the sculpts that these things, and they put little personalities into these cars. You sure. know, and some of them I found it in just way out places. You know, like I remember um, one day I was working about an hour and a half north of where we live, and I went into a Walgreens and I found a Wicket. And I hadn't seen any around by me. And, you know, they're three or four bucks. I'm like, okay, here you go. He's got a bunch of them. Um, but my money started going more towards uh, <clears throat> comics and the novels. When uh, when the relaunch happened and uh, the new canon started up again, we had moved into the place that we live in now, right, right around that same time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, it was like there was a lot of uh, conversation with myself of like, all right, I missed out on a lot of the EU stuff just with having other interests and stuff. I'm like, am I going to get into the new canon stuff? Because if I'm going to do it, I kind of feel like I have to do all of it. Oh, you the know, it's completionist. Like, yeah. And like, if you're going to do it, you, he, this is the best place to start. It's right at the beginning, you know? And, um, we found a comic book shop that's a few blocks from the house. That's fantastic. It's called uh, Chimera's Comics. If anybody is in or around the Chicago LaGrange area, uh, which is kind of southwest of Chicago, go to Chimera's. Um, it's a small shop now. They moved into a smaller space, but they're fantastic people. Um, Named after Thrawn's ship? Uh, no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> in your headcanon, yes. It, yes, that's my headcanon. Um, but uh, yeah, so at the time with, you know, the... Um, the flagship uh, Star Wars was coming out and it was, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. And I went and started the subs um, there. The only series I don't have is the Leia miniseries, uh, the Princess Leia mini that came out in the very beginning. Um, that's the only series I don't have and have not read. Everything else that's come out, um, I have, uh, you know, I'm a floppy guy. I've got all my books this way. So I've got boxes that are piling up in our bedroom right now that have to find a space. Otherwise I'm going to be sleeping outside somewhere or the boxes are going to be being you know, pile up dragged quick. behind the car. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I can show you right on the floor over there. I got a bunch of boxes piling up in a big, bad way full of comics. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, start, I'm starting to get overrun. I'm at the point now where um, the books themselves are just starting to stack. And I've got bags and boards and I'm usually pretty good about putting them away. But I'm like, again, there's a, a very small uh, comic tsunami that's happening that I need to get on top of pretty quickly. But but yeah, so the when the when the new canon relaunched, it was like, OK, that, that's going to be the focus. And um, I was reading the comics every week or every month whenever they were coming out. And then I slept on some of the novels early on and uh, in the last maybe only a year or so um well i was getting uh digital copies of the other novels and then and doing audible when i was at work um about this time last year so i started really catching up on some of that stuff then um but then it kind of it, it got to the point where i was like i would see books in the stores and i was like i think i want to have a copy of this and i started buying them as i was seeing them and then over the last maybe six or seven months or so it was like like hunting or oh, I want hardcover first print first editions of every new canon book. And I've gotten lucky with um with some of them. I found a copy of Tarkin 
in very good shape for, I think I paid $35 for it. Um, and that was only maybe three months ago. Um, you look on eBay, you're looking at $80, $100 for Tarkin hard. Really? Yeah. Uh, are, they, are these actual, uh, do people collect hardbacks? Or are they a collectible thing? I, I suppose so. I, I think uh, like Tarkin, um, A New Dawn, I want to say uh, there's one other that um, they were some of the, some of the earlier um, novels didn't have huge print runs. Um, so they just, they didn't have second prints. You know, you find um, uh, paperback copies of these things all over the place, but I'm one of those. that like, I like, I like the way they look. Um, so you'll see, this is a stack of uh, some of them. That I've oh wow! Over Look at that. Couple of months. So, um, yeah, Tarkin was uh, I had to do some digging for that one. Lords of the Sith. Um, it's just a fantastic book. I, something about you know having hardcover copies of these books. I think it's just they look just look pretty on a shelf. You know. Yeah, they're they display much better. They're more it's 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 a more substantial thing, and you feel you feel more like a grown up when you're reading a hardback, right? uh yeah that's right. <laughs> at least i do that's how i yeah to other people i might look like a grown-up uh we know the truth <clears throat> yeah i'm a 40 year old boy yep all right so let's let's delve into your mount rushmore of star wars let's use that as a segue and and dive in here so I don't know if these are, are you, are you bringing these to us in any particular order or is this just sort of throwing stuff at the wall and these, these are the names in no particular order? Um, not really like a ranked order, but, uh, there, there will be a, uh, air quotes, uh, presentation order for these for, for dramatic effect. Ooh. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So, all right, let's get to it. Um, well, again, having all of these books and the comics and stuff, um, and I'm, I'm going to cheat. I got to preface this. I am cheating all over this Mount Rushmore. So it's going to be stacked. Okay. So it's going to be, it's going to be uh, <laughs> like, like the, the Sergeant Peppers uh, of Mount Rushmore. The cover? Of just collective faces, but I'll lump into little Venn diagrams well, of people because there might be. Going back long enough, uh, Jeff Keltz, I think, put collecting on his Mount Rushmore, which is not <laughs> even a person, but it works. So yeah. we let it fly. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to do that. But, um, I'm going to start with, and since we've been talking about these novels and the comics, um, the store group as it exists right now um, for maintaining this content. There's been a couple of hiccups, we know, but everything that's come out as uh, like the the uh, on the peripheries of the movies, um, it's just it's a lot of fun to get into, and there's so much content so far, and there's so much more coming that it's hard to not be excited about possibilities. You know, we're going to have Star Wars TV shows. I mean, that's mind-blowing to think that we're going to have, you know, we just had the cast announcement today, like the official announcement for The Mandalorian. So knowing that we're going to see that on a small screen at home, um, obviously paid for, but... um, that's exciting to me to know that it's, these, it's these other stories are they're, they're going to fill in these gaps. And for every one story that's uh, written or introduced, there's all of these little tendrils that come off of that. And the connective tissue is everywhere. So it's fun to do that kind of like sleuthing of 
is this character going to pop up somewhere else? You know, when you look at the, uh, the current Vader run in the comics with, with Moments Mask, like, I completely forgot that that mask was in the first Lando miniseries in the comics. And then you go back and you look at it and you're like, oh my God, like, yeah, of course, it's all part of this larger galaxy. We know this timeline, you know, for those of us that are the uber nerds of Star Wars, like, we know, like, we beat it in each other, you know, like our own heads of, there's this timeline, and where does this fit? And this has to make sense. But then when you see it put out on paper in these stories or in these shows or in the movies even, um, how these puzzle pieces are starting to come together with this, within this, what, 60-year gap of time in this fictional timeline, um, all of the stuff that they managed to cram in. And really, I mean, it does. it's not even a lot of content if you look at it like if you were in that galaxy. If you were in world, the fact that there's different planets with potentially billions of people on every planet and every person has a story, you know what I mean? It's like yep. we've we've had one through line for the whole thing that is the Skywalkers. And every book or every story at some way, in some way connects back to, you know, the uh, that focal point of Shmi and everything that comes afterwards. Um, that's that's the timeline that we have is just those little parentheses in this larger narrative, whatever whatever they're working on. Um, but having all of that, um, the amount of content, the authors, um, the 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 work that they're putting into making what they have make sense and be entertaining and like in a weird way, kind of educational because we're like I said, we're filling in those gaps. Um, and like I said, because we're nerds and we think that way, um, it's fun. It's 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 uh, and it, and it's cool to have different voices tell stories of some of these characters. <clears throat> Everybody talks about Claudia Gray as <clears throat> she's she's the queen bee of of the storytelling she's right now. So good, yeah, you know, and you know, having uh, another new novel to look forward to next year is. Um, you know, it's, it's a gift. It's this. It's like, oh. like, what am I? What do I do? Like, what do I do until then? But like, you have all of this other content um, to fall back on. You know, between her and again, just looking at these books. With, I mean, James Lucino needs to write another book. I mean, come on, it's it's been a while since Tarkin. Um, you know, all of these writers. You know, even with you know the, the naysayers of Chuck Wendig. Um, you know, those books they're not easy to get through. The aftermath books they're not easy to get through. But they're not. Um, as a canon junkie. You know, you look at the events of those books, um, and this is what I tell people, you know, when people's like, well, you just like everything. I'm like, no, I don't. I can look at it through a critical lens. But again, looking at it as this, it's one bigger story. Every story within that has this set of bullet point events. You know what I mean? Like when we talk about uh, Snap Wexley and kind of his origin story with that, or, you know, the stuff that happens on Jakku and Empire's End, you know, talking all the talk of, uh, Cobb Vanth with the Mandalorian, whether is he, is that him? Is he in the show? Is this Pedro Pascal fit the bill? There's no description of him in the book. He's just a dude who's, you know, he's the sheriff, you know, he's, um, but again, like the, having all of that, that, that this group put together and the speculation that we get out of it, that's fun for me to be able to dive in feet first and like, and then to revisit them later on, you know, is like, uh, you know, like something you, you you missed the first time around or you, you forgot about or, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's well, it's it's almost like sport now among Star Wars fans, like every Wednesday or whenever a novel comes out, like a new comic book Wednesday or when a novel drops. Inevitably, 
you'll be going through Twitter or what have you, or you're maybe reading it yourself, and you'll say, hey, I recognize that name, or that, that name of that planet, or whatever it is. And sure enough, somebody will say, oh, look at this connection from the Tarkin novel to this comic book, or whatever. I'm using just random examples here, but just... Somebody will somewhere there will be a small little reference to something that we saw four years ago in a novel and now is popping up in a comic. And it that is like a sport for us now to identify those connections. Yeah, usually that stuff comes up from uh, Alex Damon over at Star Wars Explained. You know, I mean, that's I again, I forgot about the moment connection and I'm watching one of his videos and I was like, you know what, damn it, he's right. That is the same mask. I cut it. And I, I asked him one day uh, on the uh, on the Patreon, like. Do you just have like stacks of notebooks? Are you like that, you know, Russell Crowe, beautiful mind where you just see like floating imaginary names or you can pick one over here and over here to like, yeah, these two connect. They were in these. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you come up with a video when a book comes out that day? And they're like, oh, yeah, this was in this other thing that came out three years ago. Because, again, well, however his brain works, that he's able to maintain, you know what I mean, either a logbook or just a, however his memory is. He can make a video same day and be like, there's these larger connections because this had this thing and this had this thing and they come together. And for a small like me, who's, you know, killed more brain cells than he's produced, um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's really easy to forget this stuff. There's just so much content. Uh, but that's cool. To- I wonder if he's got some sort of process. That's that's interesting. <laughs> like if, if he has a uh, sort of a, a standard that every time you come across a name in a book, just wiki it. And see what pops up and see if you can make a, draw that connection somewhere. He's got to have like three or four separate hard drives all working together for 24 hours a day where he just does like spreadsheets for hours and hours and hours. And he's just like, I'm going to he fits in here and and then he can just like type it in or I don't know, talk to, I don't know what he does. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Well, he he just crossed 500,000 subscriptions on YouTube and... I don't know that anybody deserves it as much as he does. So yeah, he, uh, he's doing something right. You know, he, he said it to, again, asking him a question the other day, yesterday about it. He said, uh, you know, I just threw out a congrats to him. And he said, you know, uh, it makes them happy knowing that they feel that um, they managed to uh, get that many subscribers on their channel uh, through keeping the, the integrity of the channel and, and keeping it clean. You know what I mean? They're presenting actual stuff you know he's only done speculation really in the last year or so um but even those are fun so good for him yep. and molly and you know i wish them all the best and i want to oh, hope absolutely i hope to meet them next year at uh at celebration so definitely uh so story group keeping a keeping the lid on this whole thing that it can't be an easy task and i know fandom sort of rags on them a whole lot for any little thing that slips up or they sometimes they treat them as if they're the ones that actually create the content, but it's, it, it's a bit of a thankless job, but man, to be in that room or in that group, in that department, just to hang out with them and see the things that they talk about on a daily basis. I think that would, that would be amazing. It's gotta be, it's gotta be nerve wracking. There's gotta be times where, you know, Matt Martin or somebody's, you know, I don't know, maybe he, he wakes up in a cold sweat, like, Oh no, we forgot this one thing from this one story that, oh no, and it's already at the print. Like, I don't know how, like, again, how do you keep track of all of that stuff? I, it, it blows my mind. There's just, there's too much. There's a lot. And like you said, there's so much more coming. Like we have, so yeah, like you said, we have this from Phantom Menace through to The Last Jedi being the last point on the timeline. 
that's what, 60, 70 years or so, mm-hmm. give or take. And but there's also like a 30 year hole right in the middle of that with nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> and that's good. That's, that's that, a Luke Skywalker 30 year gap that we have nothing on that at some point we are going to get a boatload of Luke Skywalker content. That's a lot of stuff that I'm kind of looking forward to. There's, there's that gap that, um, I, and here's the thing, like I want it, but I don't want all of it. Don't fill all of it in immediately. Don't give me the biography of Luke Skywalker in his 30 year. Like, I don't want that. I want bits of time. Tell me an event. Tell me what happened right after Endor. Tell me, you know, setting up the school. Tell me, you know, uh, Ben turning and give me those stories. And, you know, some of this, give me three of the stories from the Legends of Luke Skywalker book and make them real. But they're not a legend. They, those things actually happen. You know what I mean? I don't care what, even if it's like the most outlandish one of the little Mike that lives on Salacious B. Crumb's head. Make that little thing canon, like officially that existed <laughs> and it lived on Luke's head for a while. You know what I mean? Like that's whatever it is, like fill in those little gaps there. Uh, now, but we've also <clears throat> with Moments Mask, that guy existed a millennia before you know, uh, Sidious uh, and, and every and all of that stuff. So, I mean, they're, they're opening these these channels. You know, the uh, uh, Dryden Voss had, uh, you know, the ancient Mandalorian armor in his, uh, in his little man cave um, in Solo. So, I mean, there's all of these hints to all of this other stuff behind there's that they're, they're kind of, um, they've been teasing us with. You know, they're, they're dangling, you know, that carrot in front of us. And it's like, we're just going to blindly follow it because, Everybody, everybody desperate. Well, everybody wants Kotor. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants some semblance of that in the new canon, and because they're cool stories. You know, I mean, I, we want that. We want to be able to fit that in and say, like, see, Darth Vader's cool, and he's, you know, it's still real. And it, oh, isn't that a live grenade, though? If ever there was a live grenade for Lucasfilm <laughs> to do something like that, doesn't that come with a load of baggage? Uh, you know what? I it, it's almost those books um, and those stories. Those games, I, I could be wrong here, you know, kind of losing some of the details of those things, but I can't see any reason why they just don't say, okay, we're going to just embed these back into the canon. They happen so far ahead of things that we've changed that they, they're kind of inconsequential. Again, I'm, I might be, there might be some minor detail in there somewhere that's like, well, no, because blah, blah, blah happened. And this, I, I don't know. I, it's been a while since I've gone through those books, but. Um, if they did that, I mean, that's kind of like the easiest thing to do. Um, but of course being run by Disney, they're going to want new dollars. So they would probably just say, you know, go to, uh, go to Drew and say, we want you to write a new, uh, uh, Bane trilogy. And he says he's game to do it. Um, but you know, how do you keep it similar to the books that were written? Do you reinvent the character like Timothy Zahn did with Thrawn? Uh, we're not really reinvent, but you know, kind of tweak it for whatever the modern point yeah, is. Yeah. Um, well, you know, when when the first Thrawn book came out, he said that he imagined his that Thrawn, a canon Thrawn, still being able to fit in with the EU Thrawn at the after just the first book. Obviously, the second book changes that, but um, in his head, it's still kind of the same person. And I guess as the creative, it kind of has to be. You don't want to change them too much, but. When the store group is telling you, like, well, maybe you shouldn't do that one thing. Like, don't put the Asilomari in your new books because 
we don't want that, you know, whatever it is. Um, um, yeah, but again, like I said, they're teasing us with things that are quote unquote legends in universe. Um, that they, yeah, they love tormenting us, and I, I know they do. I know maybe one of the, the great perks of that story group job would be to sit there in that room and gather around somebody's phone or laptop and say, let's mess with fans right now and just tweet something that they know will just send us over the edge. They, they must, they must love poking fun at us. Well, you know, what's going to happen one day that we just said that one of them is going to create like a shadow account and join the tumbling saber, uh, <laughs> Facebook page. And they're going to say, wow, these guys really love Chuck Norris. And they're going to put in, you know, some guy who has <laughs> Chuck Norris and put him in the cannon. And I want to be like, damn you. And then Carl Weathers will come and slap the white right off his face. God, I hope so. I have nothing against <laughs> Chuck Norris. I really don't. I just like hulking the bear a little bit in the group. Yeah, that's what we do. We shake the beehive a little bit. I mean, I mean, listen, I got nothing against him. But the guy, he's been reduced to a punchline. I'm sorry. He's been a punchline for 25 years. I mean, when he, yeah, he's Walker, Texas Ranger. Come on. This is true. Wasn't, but wasn't Walker, Texas Ranger from Oklahoma? Does it really <laughs> matter? Yeah, that. Look. Luke, it's Chuck Norris. Who cares? Yeah, well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move, let's move on from the story group. Who's next on your Mount Rushmore? Uh, next, I'm going to go to. Uh, th this is a this is a very this is a deep cut a deep personal cut. Um, <clears throat> this is a, a man that uh, that we knew when uh, my brother and I were kids. His name is Doctor Y. Um, Doctor Y had a practice in South Chicago, and we used to go to him when we were little to get um, our vaccinations. Um, and it seemed at the time that. Uh, <clears throat> I don't, it seems more so now that like when, when kids get back their vaccinations, it's like, uh, they get cocktails and it seemed like then it was like, you would go, you know what I mean? Like you would go multiple times to get shots or whatever. But I say Dr. Y because we would get the shots at his office and there was a Toys R Us not too far away from there. And my parents would tell us, okay, guys, listen, here's the deal. We're going to go see Dr. Y and you're going to get, he's going to give you some shots. They might hurt. But if you don't cry, we will go to Toys R Us and each of you can pick two figures. Ooh. Figure one. Okay. So we're, my brother and I'd be like, you know, like little kids and get all excited. And so we would go see Dr. Y and he was very nice. He was a, nice, he was a good doctor. Um, we'd get our shots and man, we held it in like, oh, it hurts so bad. And Biting down on that wooden wedge, keeping yeah. the tears back. We we would get back in the car and we'd be just fighting it so hard. We'd get to the Toys R Us. We'd be like, I want that one. And I want that one. And my brother would say, I want that one. And I want that one. And we would say, are you sure? Because there, there was just a wall of figures. <clears throat> and we'd say, yes. And uh, we'd go, we'd pay. And the second we got in the car and those figures were ours and we had the receipt, waterworks. because. <laughs> no shots hard and i guarantee you it happened just about every single time but from that we amassed the uh our our kenner collections from that um or the, the blocks of it i know you know, like we didn't go get shots every week or anything but i mean that was like that's how we got a lot of our figures was every time we got shots every time we got went to see dr y 
um, the trauma that he inflicted on us was uh, rewarded with Star Wars figures. And this is why you should vaccinate your kids. That's right. <laughs> That's it. Vaccinations work on multiple levels. Science proves it and Rick proves it. <clears throat> <laughs> yes, I, this, this message has been fully endorsed by me. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <clears throat> but that's that's what parents have to do. Like now we do this a similar thing with our kids where if they're going to the dentist or they're going to wherever where we know that they don't want to go and it oh the needle's going to hurt or the drill's going to hurt. If you just <laughs> sit there and do what you got to do, we'll go to McDonald's for lunch yep. or we'll go to the movie theater after. <gasps> okay. And that makes it all better. Yep. You got to incentivize kids. That's, that's just the way it goes. Yep. And now I only work in bribes. Yeah. Yeah. They're wonderful. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we've got Dr. Y, we got the story group. Who else we got? Uh, well, connected with Dr. Y and the Kenner toys. Um, there's another grouped one, uh, Bernie Loomis and uh, Craig Stokely who were the guys that uh, Bernie Loomis was the guy, the president of Kenner um, <clears throat> way back in the day. And uh, Craig Stokely, Craig Stokely, excuse me. Um, he was uh, one of the guys who was an early champion of, we should bring Star Wars on as a brand. Um, the story goes, he saw a trailer for the new hope, I believe, um, or read a treatment for uh, Star Wars at the time. And uh, really pushed to, uh, to have Kenner, uh, make those toys and the creatives over there. If you watch the toys that made us, they pumped out their designs and you hear about the story of the one guy who cut off the toe of his sock to make the, uh, the cape for the Jawa originally as a the little prototype Jawa. Um, <clears throat> and those guys at Kenner, um, namely these two sparked the imaginations of countless children. Um, all around the world. And we were able to bring Star Wars home because of them. Um, yeah, I mean... Well, yeah, those those toys, um, for those of us, I mean, not you and I, but for people who were around during the 77 run, it was the toys that really... You needed those toys to, to reenact the movies because there was once, once it was out of theaters, you're screwed, man. Like you, It was either listen to the soundtrack or play with the toys. Or the uh, the radio drama, if you were lucky enough to catch it. <clears throat> yeah, which was. Uh, is this, are you pulling this info from um, the toys that made us? Uh, partly, um, but I that in uh, uh, Plastic Galaxy, I think, is the other. But I, I right, I, I do have I do have some notes here, but I do have my my four here. So, um, but yeah, the the. Uh, those toys, man. I mean, and to think that they were able to pump out some of the earliest designs of those figures, eight months, nine months turnaround time from conception to manufacturing, I think, on some of those figures, um, some of the earliest figures. And that's why, you know, Luke doesn't look like Luke and, you know, Vader's on a diet. And uh, yeah, I mean, but without those toys as a kid, I mean, like you said, they're you know, Star Wars could have just been another flash in the pan thing. I mean, the music, uh, the, the movie would have been <clears throat> as popular as it was, but being able to take uh, and create your own stories at home and like dig little trenches in your backyard and reenact the Battle of Hoth 
you know what I mean, in the snow in your backyard or, you know, whatever it was with, with, with the people. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, it was fun. It was so much more, I don't know. It, but again, it was grown men. It was, you know, a couple of businessmen who were like, you know what, we could probably make some money off of this. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's capitalize on the imaginations of children and um, make some money. And uh, God, it worked. Was, and it, well, it had, they had to save the company too, right? Like that, that line not only saved the company, it propelled it above and beyond everybody else. And yeah. that was also by doing it, saying like everybody else was doing, you know, six or eight inch figures. They said, we, well, we're going to scale it right down to like four inch figures. Yeah. Well, I, the, the, and, the story is that one of them just held his fingers apart and they were like, yeah, they should be about this big. And they measured it and it was three and three quarter. And that's where three and three quarter comes from. It's, it's so it's so weird, so random, like such happenstance stuff that it's like, how, really? Like this whole thing, this enormous legacy of wealth and imagination was just done on a whim? Three, yeah, like that, just three and three quarters. Okay, let's do it that way. Yeah. What? In, really? In, in a warehouse building in Ohio, that's where the seeds of our imagination as kids um, – blossomed from and 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 in the same vein you know to say that you know star wars kind of saved kenner star wars in the same vein uh kind of boosted marvel at the time too i mean marvel was struggling and stanley um had the wherewithal to say well let's just run these books and do your thing and those sales why what um i think uh it was only supposed to be excuse me a miniseries in the beginning and it ended up going however many issues um until they finally ended it and yeah I mean, but again you know being able to take the movie experience out of a, a theater and have it at home with you you know through marvel or kenner man it was everything you know for for those, for those. Yeah, cause, i mean kids have such a sh- kids have such short attention spans that <clears throat> if you don't give them some reason to live in your world they'll move on to another one yeah and it's sure enough, uh, Mattel and all these other companies came along in the early '80s, saying, "We need a we need a Star Wars killer here. Star Wars is eating us up. It's they're killing us year after year." So along came Transformers and GI Joe and He Man. Yeah. Eventually, it, it whittled away at Star Wars dominance, but it took everything the rest of the industry could throw at Star Wars and Kenner before it really dragged it down. And even at that, it was I'm sure if movies kept going, Star Wars would keep would stay on top. It's just Jedi ran its course. The toys dried up, and finally, He-Man came out on top. Yeah, and I had all of those too. So I and I was, I had a, 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 another good buddy of mine, my my, uh, my friend Darren. <clears throat> he sent me a message just a couple months ago, and he said, uh, "I found some things of yours that your mom gave to me. It must have been during a move or something." Um, he said, "You can have them back whenever you want them." He says, "I have all your old He-Man toys." And I was like, what are you kidding? I thought, because I thought we had donated those to a school um, at one point. He was like, no, I have them. He goes, I have your old uh, Castle Grayskull and I have all of your old E-Man figures. If you want them back, you can have them. And uh, I was like, yeah, of course I'll take them back. I don't have the room for them right now, but um, yeah, of course. They'll have a good I, home. Yeah, somewhere. Maybe I can sell them to, uh, I don't know. Trying to think of who are the He-Man collectors on some of the podcasts I've been listening to, I wouldn't, you know, go fleecing anybody. But oh, who knows? Maybe they'll have a 
Well, again, that, that, another episode from The Toys That Made Us was about He-Man, and there's actual He-Man conventions out there. I never would have thought that, but there they are. Yeah, if, 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 so, if, yeah, I, if I can find a little fur uh, set of underoos, I might go myself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know what? I think, if I'm not mistaken, you're you're not the first person to go with, with Bernie Loomis. And I remember the first time, I think... It may be Brad Tracy who brought him to the table first. And I, 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 the name was in my head, but I couldn't quite connect it, which is weird because I had just watched that episode maybe a week or so before I had Brad on. And he said the name. I, I'm pretty sure it was Brad. And I, Bernie Loomis, Bernie Loomis. I can't remember it. Hit me. And he tells me the story. I'm like, oh, of course. And now you're bringing it here too. And I, I love it. Like this is a guy that I – absolutely believe this guy deserves to have more uh, attention thrown his way in terms of what he did for us as fans. Again, him, hundred percent him and Craig Stokely, because from what I'm picking up on is that Craig Stokely, like I said, either read a, uh, um, a treatment for the script or saw a trailer or something. And, and was one of the first people to really start pushing Bernie to um, start those negotiations to get uh, a, a part of a nickel split with uh with George Lucas on those profits or whatever it worked out to be. <clears throat> Amazing. All right. So let's, let's, let's wind it up. Got the last name on your list here to get through. Well, the last one is going to be broken down into some parts. So again, a little collective of people, individuals. Okay. Um, but it, it basically boils down to my immediate family. And I'm going to give you reasons why. So, first and foremost, uh, my brother. Again, two years older than, than I am. You know, again, you and Corey, growing up, you played together. You obviously had other friends, but I mean, you guys were together. You played together. You set your toys up. You did your thing. Whatever. My brother and I, we played with these figures when we were little. <clears throat> and uh, we we built these worlds together. Um, um, I. He's on my list also because he doesn't care about these toys anymore, and now they're mine. So <laughs> I want to thank his indifference. Um, so he's first. Um, <clears throat> my mom, because with every move that we made uh, growing up and every bit of lost toys or whatever there was, our Star Wars toys stayed together. You know, we, I'm sure we lost weapons or accessories or things like that. But <clears throat> the fact that we probably have 98% of the stuff that we had from when we were little um, or that I have now um, is a testament to her for keeping all of that stuff together um, until I eventually said, okay, now we have our place and I have storage for it. Let me take it back. She lugged all that stuff around through different moves. Um, so that's. Thank you, Ma, for saving all of that stuff because I still have it all and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, after her, um, I have to thank my my beautiful, lovely, better half sitting in the other room. Uh, my <laughs> say it louder. Say it louder so she hears you. Oh, she heard me. She's rolling her eyes thinking oh, he's... <laughs> um, <clears throat> but she, she puts up with our Star Wars shenanigans just about every day. 
And um, she called it an obsession a few months ago. And she's not wrong. It is. Um, but uh, the fact that she's uh, tolerated it now for as long as she has. Um, and She's a keeper. And and fostered it by, you know, buying me some things and kind of, uh, I don't know, not like making fun of me for it or anything, which I don't think she would ever do anyway, at least not to my face. <laughs> but, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the book to come flying yeah, into yeah. the picture and hit you in the head. <laughs> it's not one of my hardcovers. I don't care what. <laughs> um, but yes, baby, for being awesome. And I love you. Thank you. Um, so yes, sir, for putting up with all of the nonsense. Um, my son, our son, <clears throat> Isaac, who's in bed right now, uh, because without him, Star Wars would just be items on a shelf again or movies in a theater. Um, but with him, and I'm sure you know this, and a lot of other parents know this, that, um, when you have kids that are in that window, again, he's eight. He's going to be nine in uh, in February. He's right in that wheelhouse to just fall into this content and these movies and the cartoons and stuff. Um, to see him be excited uh, in a movie theater, um, to see him kind of geek out with me and uh, and talk Star Wars with me, and to see him or have him correct me and say things. Oh, actually, dad. <laughs> oh, your son. Well, actually is you because he's got he's got a, a couple of books that um, I haven't cracked. He's got the uh, like. Uh, I don't know what the hell it's called. Everything you wanted to know about Star Wars, but we're afraid to ask kind of books. You know what I mean? Um, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's got those books. And uh, when he's at school, he takes out the uh, visual dictionaries and stuff, and he brings them home. <clears throat> so, yeah, he's uh, he's well, actually, me a couple of times. Uh, oh man, which I, I am I'm okay with. I am I'm sure I'm fine with it because there are times when he'll say something, and I'm like, well, you know, back in my day. I got to see. Listen here, so you pull the glasses off your face and wave, wave them in his face. Listen, kid, I ruffle the gray hairs on my chin. Listen, kid, let me tell you. Um, it, it, but it, it, it's all about the experience of of living Star Wars through his lens. And um, I uh, I sent an email to you guys a couple months ago, or maybe a month and a half ago, about uh, <clears throat> when about your experience with your kid. Yeah, going to see The Force Awakens with him um, for the first time. And he, we, I think I had seen it just the once before that, or maybe twice in the theater before that. Um, and uh, he had already been spoiled on um, the solo at the end of the movie. But uh, so he knew that was coming. But when the movie started and the, uh, the words pop up Bam! and the fanfare and all of that. And then the crawl starts and all of that. The crawls go in and it's episode seven, the force awakens. And of course I'm lost in it, but having already seen it twice in the movie, I had the wherewithal to turn and look at his face 
and see him just look at words on a screen, reading. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't even like blaster fire and stormtroopers or anything. He was it's words. He, he was reading words on a screen, and the look on his face was just pure joy and amazement. And like he was just entrenched in this, and he was so all about it. Um, it was nothing short of magical because I know for a fact that there had to have been a point where my dad turned and looked at me and saw me do the same thing, probably more so for a return of the Jedi than, uh, than empire strikes back. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. For, for empires just staring at blobs on a on a screen. Yeah. So, and again, I remember seeing return of the Jedi, uh, a, a couple of times, um, in the in the summer of uh, of eighty three, so so yeah, so Isaac gets a very big um, spot on the uh, absolutely <clears throat> my, my my Star Wars uh, Mount Rushmore. Um, and lastly um, is my dad. Um, he, my dad, uh, he's an artist. Okay, so this painting you see behind me is one of his. Um, there's a few others that are. Um, in the apartment here, we have a few more in storage, and I have a sketchbooks and stuff. Um, <clears throat> being the artist and being kind of the eccentric, like he never left the house without a camera. Um, he was one of those guys. He was all, all about capturing moments and uh, and and living every day. And um, <clears throat> you know, I still hear stories about him now that I don't remember from the time, obviously being little. But um, he was kind of, from what I understand, all about like Star Wars and sci-fi and just kind of whatever was weird and out there. Um, like he just kind of fell into it. Like there's spaceships and a giant walking dog carpet thing. Like he was, <laughs> and um, so he kind of was a very big um, catalyst to like, yeah, let's get them these toys. These toys are cool. Or let's take them to see this movie because they seem to really like it, which you know was code for like, I really like it. Um, so he, he really fostered that growth, uh, with star Wars and, um, getting more personal with it. He died <clears throat> the November after return of the Jedi came out. Uh, oh man. So it was uh, a couple of days after Thanksgiving. It was two days after Thanksgiving that Saturday morning. Um, he was gone and, uh, to take it to a very personal note and then to say this out in the open. Um, he, he committed suicide. Um, it was, uh, it, it was a very hard time, um, for a long time. So when people talk about the quote unquote dark times of star Wars, it was a dark time for just a family and learning how to cope, um, in his absence. And, um, Personally, it, it was it was a lot of years before I was able to, to come to terms with uh, understanding, you know, maybe not so much sure. the acceptance of it, um, but kind of the 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 understanding. And <clears throat> again, kind of taking it back full circle, like in those years, I talk about like you know, growing up in skateboarding and punk rock and and those worlds. It was because we were angry. My brother and I were angry. We had that loss and it didn't make sense. 
And the fallback, uh, at least for me, in a, in, in a very therapeutic kind of way, was, was Return of the Jedi, was having those movies at home, but particularly Return of the Jedi, um, and being able to watch uh, the redemption arc of Anakin Skywalker. And uh, at the end of the movie, you know, Luke has the moment where he's talking with, uh, with Anakin, with the mask off, and he's able to have that reunion. He's able to basically give his goodbye. Um, and Anakin basically gives his thank you by telling him that he was right. And there's a lot of times where it's hard to watch that scene. Uh, and I know I'm not the only person to feel this way. Um, where in your own world, in your own life, you didn't have that. You didn't have the ability to have that finality you know what i mean like sure. the, the end of that story um was just the end of that story you know what i mean there is no going to uh the, the bright tree village and seeing force ghost you know jesus Villanueva, you know off with my other heroes you know what i mean like that that's real world he's not there um but my fictional hero got to have that. You know what I mean? My Luke Skywalker got to have that moment of reconnection. And, um, you know, you kind of, as a kid, as a, as a teenager or whatever, as an angsty kid, you imagine yourself in those roles. You know, you imagine yourself um, connecting when everything feels so disconnected. You know, everything about Luke was disconnected. He did not have the nuclear family. He was raised by his aunt and his uncle. Um, he did not have his sibling. You know what I mean? He lived symbolically and literally in a desert. You know what I mean? He had no connection to the world around him. Yeah, he was completely isolated. Right. Um, and after my dad was gone like there was a lot of emotional isolation and um but to see his his story come to its end and see jedi knight luke have his moment of bonding with his father at the end of return of the jedi growing up it was cathartic it was it was um it was its own therapy to see my movie hero have his moment and and to and to me obviously now as adult as an adult things are different i've come to terms but like in those years um that was like part of my example of like if luke can forgive and bring back his father after knowing that he had done some terrible things to other people um and knowing that my dad made a decision that took himself away from us to be able to forgive and uh and welcome him back um it, it, in the real world sense without redemption you know what i mean because he's not here for me to say it's okay and i understand and i forgive you um 
that redemption still there. That story arc, it to me, again, it was an example and it was a mirror at the same time. So, you know, watching Return of the Jedi now, when Luke reaches that point of peak anger, when his sister is threatened and he jumps out from under the stairs and the chorus pops up with the John Williams score, it's butterflies and it's, and in, in it's anger and it's uh, anticipation. And every single time that, that 10 seconds of movie, when the chorus starts up, and it gets me every time. I'm starting to well up thinking about it right now. It gets me every single time because that was Luke's coming to grips with his anger to say, I'm going to do everything I can in my power to bring you back to me. And personally speaking, I didn't have that in a physical sense, but I was able to come to that um, in, in the emotional sense. I was able to say, to my dad through these paintings that I have all over the place in our apartment, um, that he's still here and he's never gone. He didn't, he, he's, he's not here, but he's here. He's inside. You know what I mean? Like that's, sure. that's his redemption for me is that, that I'm able to say through this example as a kid, seeing that, that it's okay. You know what I mean? And everything that my dad did growing up, the stories that I've heard, the the artistry that he created either with his with pictures or his paintings, um, his sketches, the things that he did for work, um, he did graphic design for some companies um, in the late seventies and early eighties. Um, uh, seeing that there are little physical manifestations of him all around, you know what I mean? It's like, what better example is there to have than? These kinds of things. And then again, now as an adult at 40 years old, to have our son, who's eight, like I said, almost nine, and be able to watch these movies, he doesn't see Return of the Jedi in the same lens that I do. And I hope to God he never experiences it the way that I did. But the emotional impact for him can be similar because it's still that that hero's journey and that redemption arc with Vader. Um, where maybe at some point later on when, he, when he's an adult and he and I have some falling out, God forbid that ever happens, but maybe that's an example for him. Maybe it's a teaching tool for him, you know, and that's, that's the power of these movies that, you know, yeah, they're entertaining and they're space soap operas with, you know, weird aliens and stuff, but there's some real world lessons to be taken from these things um, that become an example. And to put it into practice today, um, I saw on uh, on Twitter that Michelle was going through a hard time um, dealing with the loss of her father. And, you know, I just sent her a little tweet like, hey, I know what it's like. And, you know, you're not alone. We know what it's like for her, especially around this time of year when it's supposed to be about family. Like, we're all here. We don't know each other, but we connect through this this fictional galaxy and it becomes the example for us. You know, it's, it's, it's magical, you know? Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing that story. That is, that is, that's intense stuff, man. I, I, I will never, from this moment, I will never look at that movie, specifically that scene. I'll, that will be, it'll be completely reframed for me for the rest of my life as I look, 
look at that scene now. Well, the way you have so thanks for sharing that. The red the way you have it now for the rest of your life is basically the way it's been for my whole life. And um and, and in a weird way, I kind of wouldn't change it. You know what I mean? Like the 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 life that we had uh after um you know that kind of domino effect of how things worked out, you know. I mean, if he was still around, I might not have met Cheryl. We wouldn't have our son. You know, we wouldn't have the life that we have. Things would have been completely different. Or maybe we, I, I would have met her, but I would have been a different person. You know what I mean? Like who, who, who knows? You know, in the, uh, in the Ultimates universe, what I would have been like. You know what I mean? If he was around, or if circumstances had been different. But at, at this point now, thirty-five years since uh, he left. You know, it we it is what it is. We have, we have this life now, and I'm happy with the life that we have. I would love to still have him around, but he still is around in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow, powerful stuff. Thanks for, again. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, I I wanted to ask you about something related to to your to your child and anybody who's who's watching Star Wars now with their child. I think things are going to get real interesting in i don't know two three years from now whenever we start getting either the ryan johnson stuff or the game of Thrones guys because now we're all going to be at a level playing field if if these series are as disconnected as they're reported to be we're not going to know anything none of us will know a single thing about these movies other than they're set in this universe Mm -hmm. and so we'll all be at the same again same same playing field with our kids and it will be really interesting to see how we react to these films and what and how these new films resonate with them that's going to be really interesting to me i'm i'm all for it i am all about what happens after episode nine and all of the different avenues that they're willing to explore um and to think about the way our kids are or the age that they are any kids at this age the connective threads of like a lightsaber or a Jedi. Um, that's about all you need to, for that kind of connective tissue. The, you know, the super nerds like us are, you know, we're going to be thinking about, well, how does this connect to that? Who do, you know what I mean? Like that the next generation of kids, they'll, some of them will fall into it and some will fall away from it. So long as it's entertaining, I really, I don't think we have a whole lot to worry about in it, you know, in, in that end. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting to think that there's just going to be new content, brand new names with apostrophes and Z's and Q's and stuff that's going to be hard to pronounce. Um, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it, man. Let's, let's move ahead. Let me ask you this. When it comes to seeing these new movies, should they open with the Big Bang, Star Wars, and that central theme with the opening crawl, or should it be a new logo, uh, a new, th- a new, a new theme, new logo, uh, a different style crawl, or a different intro altogether? Is that part of the fabric of Star Wars, or does it does this new stuff need to do something different in your mind? I think it is part of the fabric of Star Wars, but. You know, we saw Rogue One didn't have any crawl. 
solo head text. Um, does it need a crawl? Maybe. Um, I, I guess it depends on what the stories are. Like if we're looking at uh, Benioff and Weiss, if they're supposed to be doing a quote unquote series of movies, it would make sense to have a crawl as maybe a recap. Um, but we know, I see that's the thing about Star Wars is that every story exists like in the middle. You know what I mean? Like it's this, it's always a larger span of time from whatever the individual event or story is. So I guess anything could have a crawl if they're willing to expand a backstory on, which I can't see Disney not wanting to do because there's money in backstory. There's money in. Oh, lots of money. Yeah. So, I mean, what fun would it be if all we had were movies and, you know, nerds like me didn't have stacks of books like this to, you know, fall asleep on every night, you know, or every other night, you know, whenever I have time to read. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think a crawl would make sense. Um, I don't know how that works. So like, do you, do you have them as episodes? I don't think you would have them episodes anymore. Maybe it could be, um, Star Wars, you know, fanfare, Star Wars, that disappears. And then, uh, whatever the title of the series is, if it's Benioff and Weiss, it's, uh, I don't know, whatever title they decide to come up with for, you know, like, or even just like a working title for that. They, did they make up something? That's your title. That pops up. And then you have episode one as like a subtitle of that. That starts your crawl. And then you get your three paragraphs of text underneath that. Maybe that's a way of distinguishing it. If it's like, of course, it exists because it's familiar to have crawl. I don't know. I, who knows? Listen, I'm just. I, I I find that so interesting to think about because there's so much that is that makes up the fabric of Star Wars that makes it so familiar and iconic to us. How much of that do you need to carry forward? How much can you take away before it stops feeling like Star Wars? I I'm not super envious to have to answer that question and, just, and roll just, something out. I was just going to say I am glad to not be the person to have to make that decision because there will be. You know, the grumpy, you know, hardliners that are like, no, it's not Star Wars without the crawl. And then there will be the kids that could care less. Um, I don't know. Um, personally, I would I would love to see a crawl. I liked that Solo had text on the screen. But I also really love the cold open for Rogue One. I love that it was the rings of that planet that looked like kind of like the front of a Star Destroyer. Like, geez. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, does it need it though? I I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? And then they're not. It's one of those things where you don't know until you see it, right? Yeah. And either you love it or you hate it. And un, until they until that check comes in the mail, then I'll give you a definitive answer. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, I'm going to get you out of here on this one, uh, Rick. Celebration 2018. It's in your backyard this this time around. 2019. Did you? Oh, sorry. Yeah, 2019. Thank you. Well, actually, 2019. <laughs> Did you have any idea it was going to be announced for Chicago? Or were you just saying, okay, announce Anaheim and let's be done with it. What? Chicago? Okay. So not only did I not expect it, but when it happened, I, I breezed right past it. 
that day that the announcement came down, um, I had taken my son to his Taekwondo class. And um, I think the announcement time-wise during the day was, I think they announced it with, uh, with the Star Wars show. And the Star Wars show uh, locally here uh, is released at about three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so I think I saw it just kind of like scrolling Facebook or whatever, like, oh, cool, Star Wars Chicago. Just, oh, what's the next thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't, it didn't click. Didn't it, register. Maybe because it just didn't <laughs> seem like it was ever a possibility. Um, and we were at his Taekwondo class. He's in the thing doing his thing. And uh, I'm scrolling my phone. And uh, one of my cousins happened to post it. And then it like it just clicked. And I was like, holy shit, it's going to be here. And his Taekwondo instructor um, is also a big Star Wars fan. And I was like, come on out here. Come on out. And she's like, I'm in class. I was like, no, no, no. You got to see this. You got to see this. And I, I can pop. I, this is important shit. Get over here. So she, she comes over. She's like, what is it? And I was like. Oh, celebration is going to be here next year. And she was like, oh, my God, kids, I'll be right back. Hit the bag for a couple of minutes. And she ran into her office and she went and marked it down on her calendar. And like then ran back into the class to pick up where she was. She, and she was like, it's going to be so awesome. And she ran back in. And uh, yeah, no, I had no idea. And the thing is, it's in the same space that uh, that C2E2 happened uh, last year. Um, probably with some uh, some bonus space and uh, McCormick Place is um, it's it's big. Um, so I don't know <clears throat> what the convention spaces were like in Orlando or in Anaheim. I know there were some problems with the lines at, in in Orlando as far as like getting into some of the panels and stuff because of space. Um, but uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe the largest uh room or a panel at McCormick Place will hold somewhere between six and eight thousand people. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's a very big room. Um I and again don't quote me on that. I don't know all of the convention space or, or how they're gonna work it out because McCormick Place is I think two or three separate buildings um that are kind of connected with uh, bridges and tunnels and stuff. Um and again, being there for C2E2 last year and seeing the way they used some of those rooms, because they have actual rooms, separate rooms for some of the panels. But then there's just the larger convention space that at any point they could just they could just erect the wall. I mean, they could just, you know, divvy it up however they want to. So, um, yeah, I am. I'm excited. I'm so excited. for. And it was one of those that when, when the announcement came through, I I told Cheryl, I'm like, this is. 40 years of my own fandom like there was this sign like thank the maker that it's here for me and nobody else to celebrate my fandom <laughs> um, like it was a sign because like there's there like there was no way like if it was somewhere else in the country we probably wouldn't been able to go and it's you know the culmination of the skywalker saga it's the episode nine it's the 20th anniversary of the phantom menace it's the relaunch of the Clone Wars, it's the TV stuff, it's everything in the biggest celebration so far with five days of like ankle busting, you know, blister on your butt stuff. Like you're just, you're going to be in a seat, you're going to be walking around, you're going to be spending money, I'm going to be, we're going to be meeting 
other like-minded people, other podcasters, other nerds. You know, it's... It's going to be nuts. Yeah. I, I, I doubt I'll be there, but it's, it's going to be completely nuts. I'm so happy that it ended up in your backyard. It makes so much sense. You're right in the middle of the country. Why not have them all there? Make it super easy for everybody. You know, the only issue that I'm seeing as far as uh, April in Chicago is that the weather can be dicey around that time. It could be very snowy. I mean, McCormick Place is right on the lake. Um, it could be great weather. I mean, who knows? I, and, and, and here's the thing, too, is that Chicago is so big uh, in contrast to some of the other cities that have held the convention that, you know, Orlando, from what I understand, when they had it there, like, it consumed a big chunk of Orlando, like, this convention space and it's kind of in the middle and it's everything around it and I guess Anaheim might have been the same way I don't know I wasn't at either one but Chicago, where McCormick Place is in the city it's like this little one area and then there's the rest of the city with millions of people around who are going to be going about their daily lives and that are who could care less about Star Wars and you know all of us nerds are going to geek out in this one little hub and there's going to be so much to do after convention hours all the meetups and the man it's just it's going to be a lot it's going to be a lot it's a lot it's a lot it's going to be great man yeah i'll be i'll be watching from uh, my webcam here i'll, I'll be following the, the live streams but it's going to be great it's going to be such, and you mentioned all the things the, the movies the skywalkers the tvs the these clone wars that's just stuff we know about yeah what are they going to announce what are they going to punch us right in the face with I'm gonna get a Kenobi movie. I'm gonna get, uh, are they? Are we gonna get teasers for or announcements for other films that we have no idea coming? They're gonna punch me in the face with an acting contract to be in the Ryan Johnson set of movies to play Jawa number seven. Put this cape on. You're gonna be back over there. You get to say Utini once, and we'll pay you a toy for your time. And thank you very much. And I'll be like, yes, sir. Thank you. Fair enough. If, if Daniel Craig and, and Tom Hardy and all these other guys will line up and say, thank you, sir, I'll do it too. Listen, so long as I'm in a Star Wars movie before Chuck Norris, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect way to end the podcast. Rick, I want to extend my thanks to you for your great stories today, your super personal and moving stories. Excellent stuff. Um, and also for your support as as a Knight of the Commonwealth it is rare that somebody comes along into the community and jumps in so enthusiastically and engages with not just us here at Tumbling Saber, but uh, the guys at the Nerd Room and Retro Inc. and so on and so forth. You've been super interactive with us all. We can't thank you enough. It was a no-brainer to make you a night this quickly. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you for everything. Well, listen, thank you, uh, and uh, Carlos and uh, Michelle and I guess Corey. <laughs> um he never he can't get off the hook <laughs> listen i had listen first of all thanks for the knighthood but i feel like i earned it having to sit through the the what would the uh the bathroom and hotel oh, no. so oh, yeah you know what we're gonna knight everybody yeah anybody who sat who sat through that oh boy it's fun. and you know what's you know what's uh, what else is scary there's more where that came from oh. All right, well, listen, then, then, let, then let me say this. Uh, this is the other, uh, the, the cacophony of, uh, of, of, of Coreyisms that are coming later. Um, 
thank you guys for putting out the the, the show that you do. Because um, to be honest, I only started listening to podcasts maybe five or six months ago. Um, so again, I looked like with the new canon stuff, it was kind of like it was an all or nothing thing. So I happened to find you guys pretty early on, <clears throat> and uh, the uh, the sibling thing with you and Corey and the stories you guys tell is very reflective of the things that my brother and I did. Um, and then uh, there's Carlos. There's Carlos. Yeah, there's Carlos. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, you guys, he's listening and he's punching things right now. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but <laughs> it, it was it was really easy to to fall into uh, what you guys do and in the Commonwealth uh, at large um, to see your passion um, as as a show. And uh, the passion that, that that you see in the variety of shows within the Commonwealth, um, you know, with uh, Tatooine Sons and Gen X and uh, the San Diego Sabres. And uh, I don't even want to attempt to name all because I'm going to forget somebody and they're going to feel bad about it. But it's cool, like being part of it and being able to geek out and listen to you guys every week. Um, and for me, and I've heard other people say this, too, and I agree with it, that the sign of a good podcast is when you're listening to it and you just want to interject and say something like you're part of the conversation, even though you know that they're not able to respond to, you know what I mean? So you guys do that just about every week. Um, and uh, there, there's a few other shows too, that, that I listen to week to week that I really look forward to hearing. And um, as a patron, uh, sign up for the patron guys and girls, um, your show loads up on a Sunday night um, in my feed, in my podcatcher. So when I'm ready to go to work on a Monday morning, like no joke, you guys and Talk Star Wars are the top two on my list. So you're the first two shows that I listen to on a Monday morning, and it's a lot of fun to hear whatever shenanigans you guys are talking about, and then to hear the extended, you know, whimsical tales of Lefty Windu and all of his crew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, it makes it makes for a very bright start. Uh, to a Monday morning where for most people, I guess would be pretty dreadful. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a lot of fun. So don't thank me for being a listener. You guys make it easy to uh, want to be a part of the Commonwealth at large. So between you guys and all the guys at the nerd room and Gen X and, and retro Inc and talk star Wars and Tatooine sons and the San Diego Sabres and, you know, whoever else I'm, I'm forgetting, thank you guys. And I'm sure whoever else is listening to this or anybody else that may be coming into this later on, like you guys knock it out of the park every week. And, and, and it's a lot of fun to be a part of. Rick, thanks so much, man. That means an awful lot. I'm sure to everybody listening that that is, that is very kind praise, very high praise and kind words. And we thank you. Mm. All right, guys, that is it this month for worthy of recognition. Um, Happy holidays, everybody. We're we're coming close to the end here, and I hope everybody has a great holiday season. I'm going to be saying that a lot over the next couple of weeks because I don't know when the actual final podcast is. But if this is the last time you hear from us, enjoy your break, and we'll catch up with you in 2019. So, Rick, once again, uh, at Cad Bane's Bounty on Twitter. Yes, at Cad Bane's Bounty, and uh, I want to interject here real quick. Um, in the next maybe week or so, I've been uh, jotting down some notes for a little bit of a. Uh, 2018 uh, year in review 
for some content and maybe give you like a top three. So maybe that'll be in the uh, Tubbing Saber page where you guys give your own. So, but I'll, I'll send you all of that stuff later on. Awesome. All right, everybody. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode of Worthy of Recognition. Find Rick in our closed Facebook group. Join us there. And you can also connect on Twitter. So that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will catch you next time. Someone you know has probably experienced cancer, a heart attack, or stroke. The odds of experiencing one of these are high, which could result in bills for thousands of dollars in out-of-pocket expenses. How would you pay for it? With your savings? There is another option. It's called Active Care. Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from ten to sixty thousand dollars. And with Active Care, the cash is yours to use as you see fit. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Pen Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. Myhealthpolicy.com. 
New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. 